Hello, welcome to this podcast, Dyslexia Explored. I'm Darius. I'm recording this live with a little audience of parents here and on Facebook as well. Today, we're going to carry on our little series of a book club on Dyslexic Advantage. Now, so far in the podcast, we've got to chapter six. We've done chapters one through five, and the idea is that I have been reading a chapter and giving you a summary of that chapter, applying it to some experiences that I've had. I'm going to change that up a little bit because Dyslexic Advantage is like a textbook that is just jam-packed full of amazing knowledge and research and stories that what I've discovered is that every four pages of Dyslexic Advantage, you could read four pages and just stop and have a conversation. And that's exactly what we're going to do on the podcast today. We're going to read four pages. I'm not going to read them out. I don't even think that's allowed from a copyright point of view, but you are allowed to discuss it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read pages. I'm go we're going to discuss chapter six, the advantages of M strengths from page 51 to page 53. That's actually three pages. And so that's what we're going to do today. And the topic today is the difference between three-dimensional thinking and two-dimensional thinking in people with dyslexia. Now, you might be surprised that you might think dyslexic thinkers are just visual thinkers. So there's not much difference between two-dimensional thinking and three-dimensional thinking for dyslexic thinkers. But no, there is a difference and some researchers have looked into this and done some research. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to share one of the little stories of research that they've done in this chapter and then share a little bit of my experience in it, apply my own experience, share a quote, and then we'll have a little discussion with the parents that are here and that will be our podcast. So here goes. The chapter is all about the advantages of M-strengths. Now, an M-strength is a material reasoning strength. So in Dyslexic Advantage, they have this uh, acronym called MIND Strengths, M-I-N-D. And the first letter M is for material reasoning. And so in this chapter, we're talking about material reasoning. Now, material reasoning is their word for the ability to think through how things would work in the physical world. So how materials would relate to each other, how they would interact. So that physical material reasoning, the logic of it. Now, what the authors say, Dr. Brock Ede and Dr. Fernandette Ede, is that they see that dyslexic thinkers have higher material reasoning than other typical thinkers. And their thesis is that you don't get this extra benefit for nothing. It's a trade-off for from other skills. And so here's the spoiler alert. What they're basically saying is that you become not so good at two-dimensional thinking and reasoning and you trade that off for three-dimensional thinking, re material reasoning. So you get better at 3D and not so good at 2D. So let's go into that. 
here is the research that they shared in the in these pages so what happened was a researcher a british psychologist called elizabeth atry did an experiment with comparing dyslexic thinkers and non-dyslexic thinkers who were teenagers and what they did was they created three tests for these children to do so the first test was they gave them uh, a printed out pattern of blocks two-dimensional pattern of 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 shapes on a piece of paper they got them to look at it and then they took it away and they said recreate that pattern with these blocks of paper and arranged it in the same way okay the second test was they showed the children uh, abstract drawings of lines just lines that were very abstract and they showed them this picture for about five seconds immediately after the five seconds they asked them to draw the lines from memory and then the third experiment they did was they got the children to look on a computer at a 3d model of a house plan and they told the children to go through the house plan and find a toy that had been hidden in one of the rooms so the children went and found that toy all of them at the end of finding the toy they switched off the computer and they said here are some cardboard boxes we want you to recreate the house you just walked through we want you to recreate the floor plan with these houses in three dimensions so they took the cardboard boxes and arranged it for kitchen and so on and and arranged it so here are the results that they came up with so first of all what happened was the dyslexic adolescents didn't do as well in arranging the blocks on the two-dimensional paper the non-dyslexic the typical thinkers did better the dyslexic thinkers did worse when it came to two-dimensional flat shapes and arranging them to an accurate detail however their dyslexic children started to outperform the others when it came to the abstract line drawing they could remember the abstract lines they could extrapolate they could redraw them much more accurately than the typical thinkers and then they excelled at organizing and recreating the 3d floor plan of the house compared to the typical thinkers isn't that interesting now i want to share with you a quote from the book and i hope some of you will buy this book pick it up and start uh, reading these four pages at a time i highly recommend it so page 52 they say notice how well this dyslexic strength weakness profile fits our discussion in part two strengths in the big picture reasoning needed to combine multiple perspectives into a complex global interconnected 3d model of a virtual house but relative weakness in fine detail processing and memory this is just the pattern of trade-offs we described so what what they were what they're saying in this chapter is that the the 2d snapshot thinking is is relying on working memory more 
And so they're, they're needing to rely on this snapshot of the page and where all the little boxes are and so on. So having to rely on their working memory more. Whereas when it goes into 3D, they're having to rely on not their memory, but material reasoning. They, they, they kind of figure out, oh yeah, the stairs are here. That makes sense. The, 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 the bathroom's here. That's there. And they start reasoning their way through the house. Now, I've talked about this in Bullet Map Academy before, and I've talked about how this is my own perspective now on what we're talking about here is that as a dyslexic, I've noticed myself remembering things by remembering principles. If I can remember a fundamental principle for something, like it would make sense that the bathroom's up the top of the stairs because most bathrooms up the top of the stairs, you know, it would make most kitchens are over here, you know, yeah, this would make sense. And that there's a sort of material reasoning there. There's some principles there. It's not just a memory of where things are. It's understanding the principle of flowing through the house that is the reasoning involved here. And so often it, it, it looks like we remember the house, but we're actually remembering it in terms of put it, pulling back the members of the house, the parts of the house, through reasoning, through first principles, through basic principles or that kind of material re reasoning that we've talked about before. So often what we've said before in Bullet Map Academy is that Understanding the why of something is often very important for a dyslexic thinker because they rely on the why to remember stuff, to relate to stuff. So that's kind of my take on the dyslexic advantage, um, uh, the first four pages of chapter six. And we're just going to work through dyslexic advantage periodically. And if you're watch, listening to this podcast and you really like this, jump to the next podcast that says dyslexic advantage inside of it. And we'll dot this around throughout the podcast like we've done before. I'd like to go over to the parents who are part of our audience right now and hear what they have to say. Let's open it up. So over to you guys. Switch on your microphones and let's just have a conversation. Since the four of us here, let's just have a free flow conversation. Um, but no, I, and I know you've talked about this book before in your podcast, but I, I love it. And I've actually read it twice. And the second time I did, really didn't have time to sit and read. So I listened to it through audio and actually got more out of it the second time through audio because I could look off and imagine what they were talking about. So I, I found that fa fascinating that I could get more out of it with audio. I'd always considered audiobooks for dyslexia kind of cheating, you know, but um, now I could personally see how he's getting so much more out of the audiobooks and just being able to visualize um, things really well. I know that's kind of a tangent, but I would say our that's family. That's fascinating. Could you could you share actually where you found the audiobook? Because Deb, I mm -hmm. haven't actually. I, I tried to look for it and I couldn't see oh. an audio version of Dyslexic Advantage. Yeah, Maybe it's so, okay. more recent. 
It's uh, it's on Audible. Do you have Audible? Oh, is it? Yeah, I've got Audible. Fantastic. Okay. With this kind of cover, this is, I think, the U.S. Okay. cover. Fantastic. So listen to that, listeners. Thank you, Deb, for sharing that. I've also found it on that Scribd app um, or Scribd. I'm not sure. It's S-C-R-I-B-D, and it has books and audiobooks, and it's a monthly subscription for $8.99, and you can download what however many you want so you can go through all kinds of audiobooks within a month for that 8.99 fee fantastic fantastic as opposed to like audible where you have to buy each one so this is more of a lending library i guess okay so deb i uh, cut you off there but that was useful to know where we could get the audio so over to your own personal thoughts you were going to share something <laughs> i must have gotten muted there our entire family is visual spatial um and it was really interesting to see the results of Jack's IQ test and how high he is. And that it does help me understand, you know, he, he'll, when he went to kindergarten, you know, he solved problems by looking that, at them from all angles. And then all of a sudden you put a word on the, the board and not that we hadn't done our, our letters, but if he doesn't understand it, you know, he's trying to turn it around and turn the letters around and that just does not work because his visual spatial is so high. It has made uh, language very difficult for him. And even to this day, words and letters jump around and it's gotten better, but you know, it's difficult to read a word if the letters are in different order <laughs> each time you look at the, the word. So yeah, it's definitely been a challenge in his 2D, having the high 3D visual spatial skills. Yeah. Who else would like to share? I guess I have a question. So how do you combat, you know, the need for a 3D uh, material reasoning in a 2D world? Because the world we live in doesn't always accommodate that. Well, I, I'm not sure I kind of accept that premise. Um, okay. I, I, I think... I think we live in a 2D school and a 3D yes. world. Okay. And I think once you get out into the real world, for example, in the next part of the chapter, they start talking about how, well, in the end of this, they start to talk, of the three pages, they talk about how there's one particular chap who found that he's a great building contractor because he has the ability to look at blueprints and detect impossible figures, as it were, because one of the one of the uh, tests that they did in this uh, another experiment they did, they compared, they 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 gave one they gave them two dimensional images, and they got them to match them to see which of the two dimensional options. They gave them four options, and they said which is the closest match to this, and the dyslexic thinkers often got that wrong or quite slow at it, but they also got them to look at three-dimensional images and then tell them as quickly as possible which ones were impossible three-dimensionals and which were real three-dimensionals. You know how they do these trick images and lines go the wrong different places but it looks real they could tell much quicker which were impossible in the three 3d real world so they had a higher material reasoning and so this contractor 
could look at blueprints and say, that's wrong. And so he would look at blueprints and say, look, I don't understand this. This, this isn't going to build well. And often a lot of contractors, when they go and start building something, they discover when the architects made a mistake once it's been built. And once, well, not the whole thing, but maybe a, a section has been built or concrete being poured. But this contractor could pull it out and material reason in three dimensions and say, ah, there's a bit of a glitch there. We're going to come across a problem there, speak to the architect. And he goes, oh, thanks very much. You just saved me a couple of grand. So I would say the distinction is probably between the school world and the real world. So to would you agree with that, Rebecca? Yes, I would. So um, in the real world, you're getting into the places where your strengths soar. And in the yeah. school world, they're trying to even everybody out. That's right. And, and it's a strange thing because in the real world, you have to actually have results that are tested by reality. So mm -hmm. if you build something and it falls over, you know, you don't get paid, you know, but right. you could build something that looks absolutely fantastic on a piece of paper, but a 3D reasoner would say, I, I wouldn't draw something like that. That doesn't make any structural sense. And the other person's like, why does structural sense make, who cares about <laughs> structural sense? But the, you'll see a dyslexic thinker drawing so carefully sometimes structurally the house or the order of things and so on. And the, the thought that goes into it because they're looking they want it to match reality mm -hmm. and they've got that material reasoning and that pays off in the real world, but it often doesn't make any difference in a school world where actually the lower grade level tasks of clerical work, have you drawn the line straight? Are they the right color? Are they the right color coding and so on? No, they aren't necessarily done exactly right or very neatly mm -hmm. like a, a, a drawing technician would. But when it gets to the non-technical kind of clerical level but up to the higher level reasoning thinking where you're making good judgments that's often where the dyslexics flourish and so the answer I suppose in school work is that I think often school work needs to be run right to the end of its logical conclusion you've just written an essay you know, how would this essay end up as a blog? What key words would you use in this essay? Strategically, how would you position this essay so that it would rank on the search engine optimization? And I bet you a dyslexic writer would start going, oh, wow, I get it now. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm going to start putting some big keywords in here, some big ideas, some hyperlinks and so on. And they would create something really quite special that you wouldn't see if you hadn't brought it into the real world. That makes sense. I like that idea of thinking about it, just tilting it a little bit and thinking about some of those uh, writing assignments in particular, just did a little bit differently. Yeah, so writing assignment, maybe you do less writing assignments, but you carry it, you go narrow and deep. Yeah. Uh, or narrow and tall, you know, build mm -hmm. the building rather than just build some foundations and build lots of foundations and you know, like in a way, if you build the foundations of a house, that can be grunt work, you know, mm -hmm. but
But once you start building up from the foundations, you start realizing, I didn't build those foundations very well. I got them, I was a bit sloppy, and you get that feedback, and you go, next time, I'm going to take care on the foundations because I'm paying the price now that I'm aligning the, the door uh, with this window and this beam, and it squints, and it's embarrassing, etc., and I'm having mm -hmm. to spend all this extra time compensating for it, and so on. And so I think it's a good lesson for everyone, but especially dyslexic thinkers because it starts to engage that material reasoning because they get real material feedback from mm -hmm. what they did rather than an arbitrary oh that's good I like it you got a tick yeah anybody else want to share their perspective of 2d and 3d reasoning ah we've got a child here as well Laurie and Adwin thanks for joining us uh, feel free to chip in it's uh, chip in time Adwin's just nodding her head. I was just saying, what do you think about that? And she's like, yeah, that's, that's the real thing. My older daughter, Caitlin, who you met, we were having a conversation about this the other night about university studies. Just, um, she was talking to her friend about during, during the off semester, coming up with projects to do that would promote learning you don't, that you haven't done yet, that would, maybe a project that would create some challenges where you'd just really have a sharp learning curve because that would really motivate you to, to go all the way, but a project that would exist in the real world, but during an off semester, just to keep yourself moving, okay. um, kind of looking for some things to do during, during this uh, COVID-19 time. Anyway, they were having a con conversation about this topic just um, do I do online school or do I create projects to keep myself moving and learning? The projects wouldn't move them toward a degree, but it would make them hireable with the skills they would gain during the project. So that's a conversation they were having yesterday. And again, that is an example of material reasoning because you're kind of thinking, if I do this project in the real world, you think of it as like an object, a bridge to a job or a component part of a CV and you're thinking strategically about the component parts rather than following a, a, a set route of a college or whatever. It's another yeah. example of material reasoning. Yeah. Adwin, how much of what we shared did you hear from Dyslexic Advantage? I didn't hear a whole lot. Um, so I'm still a little confused, but I think my mom is going to let me pull me in real quick because she kind of <laughs> understands it a little more than okay, I have got you. Darius, well, Darius can give you a I can, recap. Or yeah. Shall I give you a recap? This is a good point sure. to do a recap, okay? We've got our map going on here. Let's spotlight the, the map. Can you see the map? Yeah. Okay, so... For those of you that are in the podcast, if you want to see this map, it will be on the show notes of the podcast. So here we've got a little map with a 2D versus 3D in the middle. That's the focus. And what uh, Dyslexic Advantage is talking about is what material reasoning is. Material reasoning is how things work in the physical world. And dyslexics often have better material reasoning. Now, in dyslexic, uh, it's a bit of a trade-off, though, because you, you might be a visual thinker, but really good at 3D visual thinking, but you, the pay off the, you have to pay with 2D thinking. 
And so often you go down on 2D thinking, flat thinking, and you go up on 3D thinking. And then this lady called Atri, Elizabeth Atri, did this test with three different, three different tests for dyslexic teenagers and non-dyslexic teenagers. The first test was to get, show them an image of a pattern of shapes and get the children to remake that pattern. The second one was they gave them an image of abstract lines and got them to redraw the abstract as best they could. And then the third was to take a 3D model of a house on a computer and get the children to go through the house and find a toy that was hidden. And then afterwards to rebuild the house with cardboard. And the results were that the dyslexic children didn't do very well on the 2D reasoning, but they did well on the 3D reasoning and they could rebuild the 3D house. And so I shared a little bit about how the principle, it, we're often looking for principles, core principles and patterns, and we rely on that to rebuild the house, as it were. And someone shared here that uh, their, their family was very visual. And this challenge between 2D thinking and 3D thinking is very real when it comes to reading. And then the reality that school is often a 2D environment with 2D questions rather than the 3D world of the workplace. And we are now at this point in our, okay, back to the real podcast here. Adwin, over to you. If you want to share anything, Adwin. Yeah, um, I just think that's so interesting, and I really like the 2D and 3D analogy because I can just really <clears throat> find patterns with that throughout my life of, like, the contrast between, like, my school or, like, when I went to public school or contrast between my other friends who aren't dyslexic and just, like, really just, like, an eye-opener, just, like, seeing that and talking about that, just seeing those contrasts. It's, I'd never thought of it like that. I'd actually always thought that if you're a visual thinker, you'd be good at 2D and you'd be good at 3D. It's all visual, isn't it? But it's fascinating to think that there's a difference between 2D and 3D and there's a trade-off, which I'd never thought of. Ada, do you want to share? Yes. Um, let's see here. Got some distractions here this morning, so I'm just trying to get my thoughts in place. I don't actually have a, an evaluation that Henry is for dyslexic but all of his life he's been able to do things so like we get these geo puzzles and the puzzle pieces are shaped like the country and two two years old he was able to manipulate the pieces and rotate it and put it into place and just that's not something you would expect from most two-year-olds he could take a chicken nugget box from mcdonald's and he designed the floor plan in the box so you open it up and here's the ceiling tiles on the top. And here's our stairway and our kitchen and our dining room and our front door. It's exactly like you just described. He was like three years old when he did that. And he sitting in a co-op class um, when he was five or six. And they're doing this art project. And they're supposed to draw a hill and put a tree and put a fox draw, walking through. And he did the entire picture upside down. And he can write backwards and forwards and upside down and just. He has this amazing ability to be able to see something and put it how he wants to. But when it comes to writing, forget it. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. 
And do you know what? You've got in America, you've got 400,000 10-year-olds right now who are dyslexic sitting in their classes and in their lessons thinking, I think I'm stupid. And I think it's just me. And it's not just them. And they're not stupid. They've got a more specialized brain. They find simple things hard and they find hard things simple. You know, the simple things of reading and writing is hard and the hard things of 3D architectural reasoning that other people find hard, they find simple. It's just that you have to be about 20 years old before you can start proving your 3D reasoning and being valued for it. Laurie, I think you were going to share something and I cut you off. It was, I had just, you saw my thought. Is that a 3D reasoning thing for you to see my thoughts? (laughs) Um, I I was just going to say, Adwin's a dancer and she works very hard. She dances about 15 hours a week and she's had teachers who've been amazing at teaching you why and what's happening inside your body, why you're feeling this, why you can express this or can't express this. And they use the names of the muscles and the tendons and, and teach you how to think about your body in terms of the very specific anatomy and how to use that as, as a dancer and how to protect against injury mm. and increase flexibility and strength. But they, but they use these, these correct anatomical terms as they're teaching. And that's been amazing. Well, this year in our homeschool co-op situation for the older students ages 14 through 17 there's going to be a certified science teacher who's going to be teaching an anatomy and physiology class and you know it'll be combined ages and usually in our co-op they kind of teach to a high level but then you work to the level that you feel comfortable with and there's no grades given but usually everyone works above and beyond their what you'd expect out of a student when you when you remove the the grading at least that's the way it's worked in our co-op and it's been a pretty cool experience they try to do some real world real world application stuff but Adwin's really interested in taking this class which she wouldn't have been before but because she's had that real world application in the career she wants I get it so instead of an abstract sort of physiology lesson because you've done it in your body in the physical real world now you feel much more connected to the abstract fascinating yes that makes a lot of sense i get you so we're really excited and then at the same time she's taking the class she'll have the well we hope we'll see what happens with the <laughs> pandemic but at least she'll be in zoom classes learning <laughs> if not in the studio um continuing to learn in the live lab of her dance class while she's learning so Fantastic. that's what I wanted let's uh <laughs> joanna is with us here joanna have we got some any other questions from other parents um no questions for now in facebook okay great so that's us at the end of our uh parents coffee time today deb has got something to share wanted to share a children's book a lot of you probably seen it it's called Iggy Peck Architect and it's about this boy who's naturally gifted at 3D and you can he goes to second grade and you can kind of see his teacher's face there she's not so pleased but it's a really (laughs) clever book and it's great rhyming and Jack has always loved it so Iggy Peck Architect and we will put that into the show notes what resources should we put into the show notes so we'll put the 
the um, bullet map of this talk into the show notes. We'll put Iggy Peck Architect. We'll put the book reference to buy the book Dyslexic Advantage. We'll also put those links into Audible and also that one you referred to, Rebecca Scribd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll put those references in. Okay, so this is episode 53, The Real World Advantages of Dyslexia's 3D Reasoning. Let's make it 3D reasoning. reasoning. And then in the snippet, we'll say something like, um, how dyslexic thinkers often have a stronger 3D reasoning skill than their 2D reasoning skills and how it can cause a drawback in school, but an advantage in the workplace, full stop. Looking at Dyslexic Advantage, chapter six, and some research done with dyslexic teenagers around this, followed by some discussions with parents. So, Facebook folks, if you want to join us on the Zoom, you can get in touch with us, uh, email us at uh, Darius at bulletmapacademy.com and I'll give you the uh, password to come in here into this private secure room. Uh, We need to password protect it so we get no interruptions. So that's us for today. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com. It's my day job when I'm not hosting this podcast. Tell me, do you know what you want to achieve in the workplace, but you're struggling with how to achieve it? Maybe you suspect some traits of dyslexia are getting in the way. Well, that's where Dyslexia Productivity Coaching comes in, because we give you a simple productivity system for your Apple devices that harnesses the creativity that comes with your dyslexia. It includes proven methods like note-taking, reminders, speech-to-text, mind mapping, and more, all tailored to your needs. It'll free up your time and help you achieve outstanding results. Book a complimentary call to discuss it with me, and if you do it soon, I may also be available to coach you personally via Zoom. So don't be shy. Go to dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com or swipe up and book it now.